Everyone talks about these companies. We talk with them. Welcome to Insider Talks, the show where we interview China-based professionals on hot and thought-provoking topics. Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew David, and today um, we have another episode of Insider Talks. Joining me today is Iran Nevan. Uh, you are the regional director, APEC, for GOH. Um, I will briefly introduce uh, GOH, and then I will let you explain, uh, because I believe you have nurtured a way to explain to people who don't understand technology or who are very far from the industry to understand easily. But you are GeoEdge is a solution which is uh, preventing, which is um, um, making sure that what you display as a publisher is in line with what you would like to display. So in a more formal way, um, it's an ad security and verification solution for the online and mobile advertising ecosystem. So as far as I understand, you have a website, you have let's say a big website or a big app, and you want to display content for a, yeah, that you, you earn money on uh, from, for advertisement. But you want to make sure that it's in line with what the audience expects. Typically, uh, you have an audience of kids. You don't want anything which is going to be offensive. So then GeoEdge will be able to filter it. Now it's your turn uh, to tell me if I'm right on what I just said and uh, if you could elaborate more about uh, what you do and GeoEdge. So, um, yeah, I think you, uh, um, you're ready to represent uh, GeoEdge and be a GeoEdge ambassador. That was uh, uh, on the spot. Basically, we're, we're a cyber uh, uh, company. We work with uh, any um, publisher, app developer, website, uh, or advertising platforms. Um, and we help them control any content or any ads that serve uh, on their uh, website, make sure that uh, uh, they're aligned with their uh, um, agenda, with their policy, uh, and with the messaging that they want to convey to their users. So take, for example, um, the New York Times, uh, um, which is a very well-known uh, brand that serves uh, a programmatic ad. Um, so uh, publishers such as uh, uh, the New York Times would want to be able to make sure that um, anything that is served on their website would not harm their brand or would not mislead their users. Um, and, and we're here to make sure that uh, um, none, nothing, nothing bad uh, uh, is exposed and nothing bad is, is uh, manages to reach their uh, end users. Actually, you, you just remind me that I forgot a word when introducing GeoEdge is programmatic. Because if you are a website or uh, you have an app, but you choose each of the advertisement or you choose each of the uh, company you're going to work with, the people who are listening to us could ask themselves, why do you need a third party to check what they're going to publish on your own website, on your APB, because you already work with them or select. But the way the world is working, the world of the advertisement now is working, uh, and uh, Google AdSense was the first version of it, is that you don't really know what's going to be published on your website. You put a link on your website, on your app, and then there is a third party, which is not you, which is going to uh, push some advertisement, and you are in between them. 
to make sure that it makes sense for the, 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 the app as a website to publish this ad. And that's why you mentioned the New York Times and programmatic advertisement, because programmatic is specifically um, a system of bidding for uh, space on, 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 on websites or apps uh, where actually you don't really know uh, who is going to bid, who is bidding for what, and you display it because he's the best bidder, not because you had a contract with them, um, I mean, on, on the content. Is it correct? So maybe let me take you, let's say, 15 years uh, back where publishers were already, you know, monetizing their uh, assets with uh, ads. Uh, and back at the time before programmatic, they would hard code ads directly to their website uh, through direct sales, which means that they have, uh, they would have a, a sales team and their ability to uh, um, um, monetize and have a, a high fill rate to uh, um, show to display an ad on all of their uh, uh, um, traffic and to all of their users was uh, um, in correlation with the ability of their sales team to uh, gain budget. Um, and that problem with this is that they have that full control over what's been serving on their uh, uh, assets, but they had uh, it, it's not scalable. Um, <clears throat> and at a certain point, Publishers uh, decided, or that was a part of the trend, that when programmatic advertising uh, um, started uh, uh, emerging, basically the trade-off was uh, uh, losing control over what would be serving on your website, but you just have much more uh, uh, options to automatically choose from, uh, from um, exponentially more uh, advertising. So gradually, what happened was that publishers' revenue increased. That was a good thing for the ecosystem, a very important revenue source for anyone who wants to develop an ad, an app, or, or a website. But the loss of control uh, gradually, gave, um, I guess from day one, gave uh, access to bad actors or just a, a content that wasn't aligned with uh, that publisher's uh, strategy. So starting 2013 already, what George has been uh, doing was uh, um, developing uh, uh, all kinds of solutions, all kinds of tools for publishers to have um, gained back that control over uh, advertising without having to, uh, without that coming in the expense of their uh, uh, revenue. Got it. So yeah, we see the evolution over 15 years that actually uh, players are specializing in each field where they are good at either to create traffic, either to monetize traffic, uh, and, and they work together. So we're in China. You have been in China for 10 years. And actually, it's not the first tech company you are working at, and you are actually developing within the Chinese market. Some people may ask um, when they listen to us, are you offering this solution within China or overseas for Chinese companies going overseas? And my understanding is that you get um, a lot of Chinese companies going overseas, which would be your primary targets. And uh, some of the companies you work with are, are, are pretty big. Uh, uh, Baidu, uh, Kunlun Tech, Cheetah Mobile are among your clients. So. Would you would you mind telling us more about what you do within China and what would you would you do for them 
uh, overseas, and if I am correct to say that it's mostly an overseas solution for Chinese companies. Just like you said, there's um, two main uh, uh, strategies working in uh, in China. Um, the easy one or more approachable one would be working with the uh, uh, Chinese uh, um, media and Chinese uh, tech companies that are active overseas. Helping them just be a part of the uh, um, overseas ecosystem. So if you're, for example, Baidu, uh, who is a, a huge brand in China, but is also uh, uh, managing a, a significant overseas uh, advertising uh, uh, business, and um, even if you're such a big player, when it comes to um, international markets, specifically American uh, uh, American market. U.S. market, um, those actors, they would need to uh, play by local rules. Same goes for international companies that uh, uh, enter China, uh, as we are very familiar with, uh, with the unique Chinese ecosystem. So um, the easiest, let's say, uh, geo-edge penetration to uh, the Chinese market, the, the first stage or the, the most natural a place for us to position ourselves in was uh, just collaborating with uh, those very big brands, Baidu, Kunlun Tech, Cheetah Mobile, Apier, which is a, a public uh, um, network, DSP network, and, uh, and just making sure that they uh, managed to scale their business uh, overseas. I guess for the first couple of years uh, in China, that was a very big part of our uh, focus. Um, and we're gradually shifting our focus to something that we've always done, but it's becoming easier for us. Uh, and we have more knowledge and more expertise in the Chinese markets and unique needs that overseas players have when entering China. Uh, and also for local players in China. So we're also gradually shifting our focus on uh, um, that a part so doing the same only for for uh, um, companies instead of helping Chinese companies go overseas helping international players enter China and also helping local uh, uh, players in China tackle local uh, uh, issues local challenges I see um, so I believe it's very very different markets um, so two, two, two of them are, are, are different kind of players, uh, different value proposition, and, and technology speaking, I'm, I believe there are a lot of localization too. If we talk about um, Chinese companies going overseas, so you mentioned uh, Baidu is one of them. They have some uh, traffic overseas and they need to display advertisement, which is accurate. And they are, it's a small business for them, certainly, overseas, but still they have to, to actually um, do it well. and. Uh, uh, and and they need solution for 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 overseas um, clients or users. Let's say users is, is better better use. Cheetah Mobile is creating a lot of APPs. If I understand well what Cheetah Mobile is doing, uh, service APPs uh, um, to to manage your battery, whatever. And they monetize with advertisement. Um, on on the on those cases, how do you how does it work? How do you work with them? Uh, technically speaking, so you have uh, um, so. The ad they want to display on each display or each banner is going through your 
your your software and there is um, a selection point or before it's displayed or just be just before it's displayed or is way before when uh, to, to get an, an agreement how, how does it work because I believe this industry is not about speed so if you add up a layer where you need to check again what the content inside and so on you're losing a little bit of your of the momentum uh, in the industry so technically speaking could could you explain us a bit more how it works so th this is a great question and maybe let me take you back again to um, 2013 not not to the early days of programmatic but uh when Joe started uh, being active in, in that uh, um, market. So basically, um, originally, um, when we uh, um, launched the Judge, was uh, originally a proxy um, a solution helping uh, ad networks just uh, load ads that they want to serve, let's say I'm uh, a Chinese, uh, Ad network, and I, I have an ad that I would like to uh, serve in uh, in Europe, in Germany. I want to make sure that that ad is serving correctly, the right content is serving correctly in Germany. What we what what they would do was use Georgia's proxy server in order to load that ad through a um, server in Germany, and just make sure that everything works correctly. And, uh, over time, we noticed that. Uh, our clients are constantly refreshing our ads, uh, their ads through GeoEd server, trying to catch bad things that happened in geos that they were not present on. And that's when we um, developed the first uh, automatic uh, detection tool where we allowed uh, um, ad networks and publishers to send ads to GeoEd through an API. Uh, we would run um, uh, um, automated process that would check if they had had any content issues, in any any malware violations, and then ping them back saying, hey, this ad isn't, uh, um, is breaching some kind of violation. And a few years uh, ago, we made another progress to, um, um, in, in the evolution of the, of the service, which is exactly tackling the um, issues that you mentioned, the need for real-time uh, monitoring. Um, so back in 2017, we launched our real-time uh, blocking solution, which um, um, integrated all of that capabilities, malware detection, content theory, uh, uh, detection, image recognition, uh, uh, all of those layers of, uh, of technology into a real-time blocking a, a mechanism. And that mechanism is um, and there's various kinds to integrate it. You can either depends on the tech stack that you as a as a, a client has. So if you manage your own ad server, then you can uh, connect it directly to uh, that server that you're uh, um, working with. Um, if you're a website, then you can put Judge widget on the website. Uh, if you're an app developer, then you can connect our SDK. Uh, and basically, once that component is integrated into your uh, uh, um, your stack, either client side or server side, then what we do is monitor every single impression. And if there's a violation, we block it pre-impression. 
so the users are never exposed to that uh, issue that's a game changer for for publishers it's a game changer for uh, anyone in the programmatic uh, ecosystem and that that was something that really helped you uh, increase our our offering and our client base uh, exponentially I see. When you work with Baidu, it's for the ad display, right? It's not for the search itself. It's for the, the display, the ad network they have. So specifically with Baidu, we work with uh, uh, MediaGo, which is their native uh, uh, ad service. Um, basically, the um, MediaGo is uh, uh, the international branch of uh, uh, Baidu's advertising service. Um, the idea behind it is connecting uh, international overseas uh, uh, publishers such as CNN uh, uh, or uh, Yahoo in the States with unique demand that is uh, um, that, that Baidu has access to just because they are uh, they have access to unique uh, um, local advertisers in China. That's the uniqueness of of, of that platform. Specifically with them, we um, because Baidu is not the media itself. We uh, connect with them on the uh, on their server side. Um, um, basically, all the detection happens on on Baidu's ad. Interesting. So it, it, it's um it's amazing that um, a startup from Israel is able to work with such a company as Baidu, which is a very local. Uh, very big, also Chinese company, but it's also very, very local when you think about it compared to Google, which is very international, for instance. It's very Chinese. And so, how how do you come up working with with those uh, players in 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 China? What are the difficulties? What are the uh, what the key learnings for for you to 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 work with them? Is it hard? Is it uh, difficult to get in touch with them? Is it difficult to get understood? Uh, or is it difficult to to value also what you what you do because it could maybe think about developing internally. I believe there are also a lot of resources. So, what 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 are the key takeaway you will, you you could share with our audience about working with big tech in China? So first of all, I I think that the main um, difference is the state of mind um, of any Chinese uh, tech company when um, it comes to analyzing or uh, considering an international uh, uh, vendor, especially GH, which is uh, not, not a huge brand. Uh, so when considering that uh, a collaboration, when we approach um, um, big companies in, in the US, um, they're, a lot of times they're, uh, strategically, their uh, approaches how can I integrate that new service as soon as possible so that I have the advantage in the market? So I can be the first one to introduce that new capability or tackle uh, that specific uh, uh, issue. And in China, a lot of times, the, um, the approach is how can I own this uh, uh, technology? Um, so Chinese companies, not just uh, the you know huge uh, um, you know BAT and uh, all, all the huge uh, technical uh, players. Also, when you're talking to medium-sized uh, companies in China, they um, 
they don't like uh, being uh, uh, reliant on uh, external vendors, especially when they're international vendors. Um, that's you know just just a cultural uh, approach. So specifically, when talking with Baidu, we have uh, working in, in with any company in China is a bit like a, a, a Hungarian cube. I call it. You need to have all the faces really connect uh, at the same place in order for you to be able to, um, to to land a deal or make business. You need the technology to be right, you need the market to be right, you need the stakeholders to support you, uh, regulation to support you. Um, so specifically by doing, been in touch with them, I think from almost the very first uh, day of uh, me um, and being in China and uh, um, developing Geo's business, and we were always discussing all kinds of uh, uh, opportunities for us to start ignite the collaboration. Uh, it took us uh, a few years until we managed to find that opportunity. And once we found that opportunity, we're now moving forward and, and learning how to um, um, create more opportunities and expand the partnership. So it's a matter of uh, Patience. It's a matter of luck. It's a matter of being able to um, um, find the right opportunity for you to stick your foot in the door, and and it's still not easy even after that. Because for me as a foreigner, even if I speak some Chinese, I, I do most of my business in China in Chinese, but still there's a lot of uh, uh, gaps. And there's always mis misunderstanding. So yeah, the process is always. Uh, challenging and uh, perhaps a time slower. We we got into the podcast um, in the past um, um, a foreign company which is providing uh, a service for Ulmer. So the app is very big app, and mm -hmm. um, it's um, it's a software which helps to to book uh, your your actually your your meals. But and um, it, it, it told us that um, LMR uh, had an issue about speed of, uh, I mean, that it could work, basically, the solution could work. And he had the solution, they tried, and then they scaled all over, the, all over China with the app. So my, I feel there is a pattern about first um, spending time to know each other, but also to try first with, with the Chinese players, a very concrete way to, to try on a, on, a, on a small scale, and then to go to a larger scale, uh, maybe that's not only in China, but at least that's the best practice. I I, I feel uh, when a foreign player wants to work with a Chinese company, they might have to consider to offer this trial for free, and that may be one of the one of the cultural difference to cultural change that uh, in the US or in, in Europe you would even pay for trying it, but in China at the very start, especially with um, corporate uh, softwares and softwares for, 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 for companies, you might have to have a period of, of trial. Do, do you confirm this, this hypothesis? Is it something you, you are seeing too? So definitely. Um, I think that it's, you know, you need to be patient in any uh, kind of correspondence with a, a big company, no matter uh, which, uh, um, which uh, country you're, you're trying to do business in. More so in China uh, because of cultural reasons. Um, so definitely trials is something that we are very happy to do with our partners, also because we learn from them. 
So I think that, um, you know, when you come to, uh, um, uh, when you approach big uh, players, you need to keep in mind that this isn't a direct uh, route for a deal. There's going to be, they're trying to understand who you are as a vendor. They're trying to understand how serious you are, how committed you are to the Chinese market. Um, they'd like to do a trial and understand your technology. They might, they're definitely going to um, try and understand if they can apply your technology easily and through their uh, engineers. It's something that every kind of company should expect uh, in China. And if you feel that that kind of evaluation or trial period is something that could put your IP in jeopardy, especially when it comes to technology technology companies, um, then maybe China is not the market for you because you're going to need to open up, integrate, let uh, um, the, the potential partner evaluate your, uh, uh, your tech. And if it's a problem that you're solving for them that is important for them and that they can they cannot uh, easily remedy solve by themselves and just like uh, Elema when they met that specific uh, partner you'll have a bingo uh, and, and and you'll be able to scale and that it's amazing when that happens it doesn't happen a lot for many reasons there's a lot of technical a barriers and a lot of uh, business model uh, challenges. But if you're able to be flexible enough and understand what the partner would need in order for that to work for them internally, then definitely there's a, an amazing potential for you. You just need to be able to be agile. Yeah. And one more thing about the trial, um, for us, um, every trial is an opportunity to learn more about the Chinese ecosystem, learn more about local needs. Uh, um, it's, it's a great learning opportunity. So uh, I personally uh, am very invested in any uh, partner that wants to try us out uh, and just because it's also a learning experience for me and I can uh, apply what I learned in that trial either in China or also in, uh, in Overseas, we've we've learned uh, things in China that we're applying in uh, other markets, such as uh, Japan or uh, uh, Europe. So there, there's a lot for international companies to learn uh, uh, from China. There's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of uh, um, technical inf innovation, but a lot of business model uh, uh, innovation. So yeah, that, those trials are, are a pillar in, uh, in our approach to uh, Chinese market. I feel so one of the key learning is trail and the second one is uh, it's possible to work with those big companies, big Chinese tech companies with medium size as well. If Even if we are uh, an overseas company where most of the operations are in, in Israel, Tel Aviv or anywhere else, it's possible, it's happening, but it takes time. It takes a, a different way to to, to to interact, engage by offering a solution uh, for free for some time, so they, they understand it. And also it's a big step for them to introduce your own tech in their tech. It's like for someone to 
it's something you put in your system and so you have to make sure this works in your system because otherwise maybe your 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 organization will not work anymore uh so that's a way for them to get familiar too but then after opportunities exist to work with those those um, uh, Chinese companies. I'd like to give a few numbers about the market we are talking about. Um, the market of going overseas, Chinese companies uh, buying advertisement overseas um, is, is not a small market. Uh, Facebook is doing about 4 billion USD in China by sending ads to Chinese companies. It's public information. And if we put them together with Google and others, it could reach like 10 billion USD. So it's not a huge market, but it's a very sizable market where you, you can you have space for a lot of players. What's surprising in this market is that it seems, um, from my understanding, that programmatic is very unknown for Chinese players because they don't use a lot of programmatic except outside of those big platforms, WeChat and uh, Alibaba. But the programmatic in between, which is going to connect on different display, uh, on different ad networks, is very is much less developed. Do, do, how, do you feel that you have to educate? Uh, because I feel programmatic is, is one of the core uh, reasons why uh, uh, companies are going to use your service. How, do you have to educate Chinese companies about that? And uh, uh, what, what, what is it? Or they already know it because it's already their business. What's your, what, what, what's your perspective on that? So for, first of all, I 100% I uh, uh, agree and can relate to uh, uh, what you mentioned regarding programmatic. Um, uh, a lot of times we hear um, complaints or concerns about the walled gardens of Facebook and uh, 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 Google in Western markets. Amazon is becoming or has already become one as well. Um, and uh, I think China, in that sense, is a few levels above uh, um, what's happening in, in an overseas market because uh, it's a um, very um, relatively closed market with a few very strong dominant players. So if you take, uh, for example, a, a WeChat um, that has a very significant advertising business, a lot of um, almost anything that uh, any ad that serves on WeChat goes through Tencent's uh, funnel. Uh, whereas if you're uh, a major uh, publisher in the uh, overseas market, um, you're still going to use third party, uh, uh, in most cases, you're going to use third party uh, advertising, and that's where programmatic comes in. So the scope of programmatic in China is uh, limited, uh, in a sense, with those mega uh, uh, apps. Um, but having said that, there's a lot of uh, uh, smaller apps, there's a lot of uh, smaller uh, uh, websites that aren't connected to uh, those uh, um, huge giants. They, make, they do business with them, they receive ads from them, but um, that's where things uh, uh, and that that's where we see that there's breaches yes, and notably when it comes to uh, um, content uh, breaches um, and China is uh, becoming more and more regulated in that sense um, so I think it's less of um, teaching the market about uh, um, about those issues it's more of a process where China is uh, uh, lagging behind uh, uh, awareness 
um, for for user experience or for for brands um, as there was in uh, in other markets. And we're seeing in the past uh, two three years that there's been very big crackdown on content. There's been some pretty major. I'm not sure if you're familiar, uh, for example, by Google Search with the fake medical uh, um, ads that uh, um, made a, a, a very big impression and uh, had a had a huge effect on um, uh, the entire ecosystem. So we're seeing that there's more crackdown, there's more regulation, there's more need for for managing content, and managing ads. Um, so those areas where there's programmatic ads or ads that aren't controlled by the publisher itself, we're, we're seeing an increased discussion. I see. That's a great, great transition to what you do actually in China, because one of the big differences between the maturity of the West and in China in your industry is the maturity on programmatic, if my understanding is correct. So you create an app, you create a website, and creating a website is a bit different in China because it's very regulated, you need a company and so on. Anyway, uh, but you create a mobile, a, a mobile app um, and you want to monetize with advertisement, but you don't have those kind of ecosystem easily to plug in uh, independent of the two big players. Uh, nevertheless, that's where you play. So how do you feel um, uh, interacting here in the Chinese market uh, is, um, is an opportunity for you? I feel the technology could be similar, but then you have to localize also the content. Would you share a bit about the, then that's the other way around for the audience to understand because they may be a bit lost. So we talked about Chinese companies going overseas, then it's right in your technology. You do that all, all the day in Tel Aviv, in, in Israel, for all the companies in the world, that's your core business. But here within China, that's different. Programmatic is less mature. Um, and uh, the, the, the content as well is very different. I mean, it's not an alphabet, it's productive. You might have, you might uh, see different challenges. So this localization here, uh, what was it about? So um, there's, it's endless. The level of localization, there's always more that can be done in order to uh, provide better uh, service in, uh, in China. And it's really a matter of uh, where to start from. And so the basics, would be for us to be able to work inside China with local servers, uh, just to have inf infrastructure in China. Luckily, um, our uh, technology doesn't require a lot of uh, uh, bureaucracy and uh, a lot of registration. Uh, so, so luckily for us, we've had that since the early days of uh, Geoedge in uh, in China. But even even uh, even that is uh, challenging because we've had cases where um, uh, partners would uh, ask us to, let's say there's an ad that uh, targets uh, um, clients or uh, users in uh, Zhejiang province. But then when that ad serves in uh, Hubei province, uh, it would locate, it would uh, notice that it's not serving in that, in, in the province that it's uh, um, that it was designed to, and uh, and then it serves different content. So the challenge that those uh, um, that specific uh, ad network had when they approached us was, okay, we need to understand uh, when the content changes. We need to understand if 
if this ad or if this uh, ad tag, a tag is, is an ad that uh, can serve multiple uh, um, banners, we need to understand if it's acting differently between provinces. So lo localizing our infrastructure, it's not just about localizing it in China, it's about localizing it for specific provinces when, when needed, when there's that concern from the client. So that's something that we've uh, encountered uh, in, uh, uh, originally. Another uh, uh, um, very big uh, challenge is naturally the language. We're pretty pretty good in, in um, uh, detecting fake ads, deceptive ads uh, um, in English, also in uh, let's say European languages. But when it comes to China, you need to be able to detect uh, first of all have. Uh, Chinese characters uh, recognition, which is something that we added to our stack, and then build on that a layer of detection for issues that we know that are uh, um, um, happening in China or just Chinese regulation. So that's another layer of, uh, of uh, localization. Um, a third one would be uh, the tech uh, players or the tech stack that the uh, App developers and websites use so in the U.S. Let's say overseas, almost uh, um, 90 more than 95 percent of the publishers use Google Ad Manager as their uh, um, ad server. And uh, in that case, what they do is they just plug in our uh, code. We're integrated with Google, uh, uh, so so the integration is seamless. They can integrate GeoEdge and start working with us with them. Half an hour of uh, of, uh, uh, of just integrating our our code. There's so many different uh, um, ad servers in uh, in China and SDKs, which are uh, uh, mediation SDKs, which are the components in your app that serve the uh, the ads. So that that's a completely different ecosystem. And the question is, okay. How do we develop our uh, uh, our technology in order to accommodate all those different players uh, in China? And that's, you know, we need to invest money. We need to to invest uh, technological resources in order to uh, adopt. There's all kinds of challenges. That, uh, I can't say that you know we've we've cracked all of them. It's a journey, and that's why all those trials that we mentioned earlier. It's just such a Good way for us to understand how to prioritize our development roadmap in in China. Learn about Chinese needs. Learn about what kind of issues we can more easily uh, uh, mitigate. It's interesting what what you describe. Basically, you have a solution, um, and you could adapt it as well to each client. You talked about the provinces, you talked about different players, um, different um, services would do the same as Google Display. And you have, even though it's a product, you still have to adapt it for uh, from time to time for the for the request of, of client. And that could be also, also one of the key takeaway for the Chinese market is that you have to consider 
adapting the product in itself, not only the languages, not only the, the way you present, not only the, the processing of, 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 of words in Chinese and characters, but, but, but also the, the technology in it, uh, which might be a, a, a bit different. And you mentioned something that um, you said you have a lot of players who are doing similar as Google uh, Display is doing. Uh, but it's a bit contrary to my image of China ecosystem where you have the two big players, Alibaba and uh, Tencent, Jindong uh, together. We would provide those kind of uh, technological stack. Uh, but you are saying that you have smaller ones. Are you talking about Axiom? Are you talking about DSP players? Are you, are you talking about smaller Chinese ones? Uh, it, it seems to be contrary to my, my, my image of the Chinese tech and environment. So actually I'm talking about the big one because when it comes to, okay, so who are the big players that you would monetize with? You would monetize with uh, um, Tencent and you would monetize with uh, ByteDance and you would monetize with Baidu, uh, of course. Uh, and each one of these players has a unique technological ecosystem that is, um, imagine that each one of those is taking the role that Google takes overseas for uh, almost all the market. So um, there's also smaller players. There's DSPs, independent DSPs, independent uh, exchanges and FSPs. Not that many, but yeah, definitely there are, and we're seeing all kinds of uh, innovation and technology in that in that sector. But um, at the end of the day, they the, the way that they connect to um, websites or app developers, the way uh, a DSP or an exchange connects to uh, um, the media, is probably going to go through one of the big uh, uh, players. And okay, so I, I for was us, like, we need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay, okay. that's was, that was my I'm image. I'm not here to, yeah, I'm not here to break any, any uh, uh, conceptions. No, no, but it's it, 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 if I'm not correct, I'm, I'm very happy to be challenged. So uh, it, it's true that you have the three big players, the Biden's I didn't mention, but then the, the smaller ones in programmatic and uh, are, are not massive, but still you have three ones instead of one, right? What you say, so you have about 10 cents and, and Biden's and you need to follow up with them because what maybe people listening to us don't realize is that those solutions evolve. So you have to update your own solution to match with those solutions. So it's a constant catch up uh, on, on these solutions. If you have one, it's much easier than if you have three or five and so on. And that, that's duplicating the work. I, so we are close to the, to the end of, of, of the talk, and I'd like to open to a, a brighter perspective, which is um, two, 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 two topics. The first one is about Chinese companies going overseas and why do you think they want to go overseas? And secondly, I would like you to have your view on, on the business culture between China and, and, and Israel and the differences and similarities. You have interesting insight on it. I, 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 I really would like uh, you to share with the audience. But first of all, Chinese companies going overseas. China is a big market. It's 1.4 billion. Uh, first, you have to be good in China usually to go overseas, or at least it's, it's, it's sizable enough to do a lot in China. Uh, going overseas is troublesome. It's a lot of languages, a lot of new regulations, a lot of, of, of new things to do. So what's your perspective on Chinese companies going overseas? Why would they go uh, overseas? And um, what's the experience? I'm, my my feeling, I have very mixed uh, feedbacks 
from from Chinese coffee. What's your, what's your, what's your perspective on that? So that that's a very interesting uh, discussion. We can spend uh, you know an entire uh, uh, um, podcast just discussing that. Uh, I think that f- uh, we'll talk in a bit about Israeli companies, but uh, uh, um, for us as a small market, uh, for Israeli companies, the um, no-brainer or or the easiest thing to do is go to uh, the U.S. market because that's a market that we're familiar with. We speak the language and uh, technology-wise, we know the issues that we're solving. For us, China is still very inapproachable. I'm talking also pre-COVID, uh, uh, where you could it, it's it's not a problem in, in traveling to China, getting those meetings and starting to learn. But um, the the different ecosystem and the cultural gap between the West and and, and China uh, makes China the Chinese market less obvious. And the same goes for um, Chinese companies. There's more and more innovation happening in China, uh, and Chinese market is just so huge and so fastly rewarding if you're if you've got the right technology. That uh, in terms of risk and in terms of uh, a challenge, um, it still just makes so much sense for Chinese startups. Or, or mid-sized companies to focus on the Chinese market. We've heard, even Baidu, for example, for years had uh, a various ventures outside of China. And some of them were more successful and some of them were less successful. And that's uh, traditionally one of the uh, most important, biggest and influential uh, technological uh, companies. And they haven't become a... a a huge brand outside of China for various reasons. So um, we're hoping that uh, ByteDance, which is the first real major important technology company outside of China, bringing TikTok to, uh, uh, you know, the TikTok phenomenon is just so important for uh, um, as an inspiration for local Chinese companies. Um, we're hoping to see more and more brands, uh, international brands emerge from China or Chinese uh, uh, local companies becoming more ambitious and wanting to be more uh, uh, engaged in the uh, overseas market by acquisition. Uh, So hopefully we'll see more of that. Mm. But it's still not obvious. Uh, it's not obvious, right? We talk a lot about it, but it's still still at the infancy. And and Tencent bought a lot of studios outside China in gaming, right? So it's happening. It's happening for, for big groups. It's happening for also uh, um, Cheetah Mobile with a lot of APPs. But on the other hand, that said, um, in 2018, I remember that a third of the top 100 APPs apps um, in India were Chinese. And actually, uh, Chinese APPs are doing very well so in the US and in Europe. It's not only about TikTok. You have also other ones to manage your battery, to erase duplicate contacts, and so on. How do you analyze the fact that Chinese developers have been some, I mean, a sizable amount of them have been so good at being adopted by the Western market where 
in TikTok, for TikTok, but for APPs, it's a lot about culture. It's a lot about localization. So I feel in terms of products, terms of brands, uh, in terms of in, even apps, you have a lot to do in China. But still, some of them have, 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 have been successful overseas. And it's not only one TikTok. What's your analysis on why they have been successful? I'd like to add one more thing. Developing an app in China is not cheap. So for people who listen to us, hiring people in tech is not cheap at all in China because you have those big players like Alibaba, Tencent who are taking them and they have the, the money to pay them very hard, very high salaries. So what, what's your perspective on why uh, so many apps um, coming from China have been successful in the West? I think that that's a very good example uh, for a place where uh, uh, innovation Okay. And business model, uh, uh, not just tech innovation, but business model innovation uh, is is happening in China. Uh, I think that you know it's develop finding good developers in China is not easy, but there's a lot a lot of accumulated uh, uh, know how in China, especially when it comes to RPG gaming, which is something that has been very Big in China since the early days of the uh, uh, internet. So when we talk about the the Wangba, the internet uh, studios that we had uh, in China until uh, until mobile became dominant, uh, I think gaming was always huge in China. So traditionally, there's a lot of uh, uh, know-how and a lot of a uh, lot of companies that have been uh, doing that for years. That's a Specifically, gaming is a sector that has done a very good uh, uh, job in, in adopting to international markets. You know, there's a lot of money in, in gaming. And once you make that localization, actually, you don't need a, a lot of um, hands-on in each one of the geos that you want to market in. So uh, unlike uh, brands uh, that want to go uh, overseas, I think that um, relatively the barriers for, for app developers going uh, abroad was less significant, culturally also less significant. That makes a lot of sense indeed because gaming apps have been successful, especially successful in China because you could not use your um, uh, PS4 or, or other uh, from Nintendo or from Sony it was forbidden for a long time. It has been only four or five years now people can buy and to connect to TV. So gaming, on a gaming, digital gaming was developed through computers and mobile. So there's a lot of innovation already, a lot of uh, lines coded already, a lot of a uh, lot of um, assets existing, and then uh, they, 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 the, the, the path to go overseas was was much smoother. And as you said, uh, there is a bit less actually in some way uh, localization compared to a product. You need to brand differently, you need to name differently, you need to describe differently. Uh, here it's a game, so it should be enjoyable. It should be entertaining and maybe it's actually slightly easier um it, it, it makes a lot of sense in that one last question uh so you shared with us that you find out that there are more uh points in common between israeli culture of doing business and chinese culture of doing business or maybe in general about the culture and uh that then is the us for instance if i'm correct that that one of the things you uh 
talked with Sofia before preparing the interview. Um, would you mind elaborating more of, on specific items which make you think so? So I think that, um, you know, China is considered a, a challenging market, uh, perhaps, but there's something very pragmatic about doing business with uh, a Chinese, very fast and very unofficial. Um, so, for example, you might feel that you're um, talking to a huge Chinese corporation that, uh, um, you know, decision-making is difficult and you have a, a um, challenge just understanding what the stakeholders are. But in many cases, you'll feel that if you, you'll notice that if you're presenting a, a solution that makes sense and uh, if the discussion is uh, open and there's a, a real interest from the Chinese side, they would go very fast. They would be very, um, you know, unofficial. The fact that the communication in China is very personal. Everything happens in uh, on WeChat groups, on chats, less on emails. That allows communication to happen very fast. Um, so the pace of decision making and the pace of changes in China is very similar to uh, what we're seeing in Israel, all that dynamic innovation and, you know, um, companies change their, they pivot a lot and they change their strategy and they adopt quickly and we see that also in China. So you need to be fast because the opportunity that you have in China might um, not be relevant if uh, you aren't able to close the deal within a, a short amount of time. Uh, but that's a very that that dynamic or that fast pace is something that I can very relate to from from Israel. You know, once the Chinese uh, um, decide that they want to go for it, if if you can hang on to their pace, then you know you've you've got something good happening for you. That's a very Israeli thing. We like to do things fast, and we like to change our perspectives. Very entrepreneurial, so even though the company can be big, it's still very entrepreneurial in the way it's making decisions. That, and it, compared to Europe and the US, it will be much more formal, going through different steps, maybe a bit of red tapes, writing a, um, a very formal email and uh, with do documented and so on. And here it would be more, let's meet and let's go on WeChat and chat, even though it's not very organized like an email. Uh, but then it helps to to know each other and to make a decision. I see. Interesting. That's an interesting yes, point. And I feel the same. I'm French, and uh, I feel sometimes we it's easier to to understand. Uh, uh, or it's surprisingly easier to understand uh, a Chinese uh, to to compare to an American, for instance. For us, uh, sometimes there's um, less misunderstanding, uh, or um, yeah, culture could be could have more similarities. So. It's a very contrarian and interesting perspective you have here. Thank you very much for um, taking the time. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I, um, it's very amazing how many Israeli companies um, are, are doing business with, with, with China and uh, how dynamic uh, the links are between Israel and China. Um, and uh, what you did uh, in China is, is one example of how uh, dynamic and successful it can be. So congratulations. Thank you very much, uh, Matthew. Uh, um, very happy to be invited to, to have a chance to introduce uh, some of what we've been uh, going through in China over the past years. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the talk.